Lord. All right. Thank you very much. Yes, Merry Christmas to everyone. I need a pulpit. Can't preach without a pulpit. No, actually, I can. <laughs> All right. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you that you have uh, made a way, made an entrance for us to come into your presence, and that we can do that through singing, through songs, through dance, through all the expressions of worship, but through your word, Father, uh, we see you and our minds are transformed. So we just pray anointing on this uh, time of the service that we can look into your word and be transformed by it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's the Sunday before Christmas, and uh, it's a good thing to celebrate. And I want to read the uh, words to a, a hymn that I actually learned when I was... Uh, why don't you stand up, William? William's my son. He's he's eleven. <coughs> Lewis, what what grade are you in, Lewis? Fourth grade. Stand up. You know, I was probably more Lewis's age when I learned this. Our class, when I went to a parochial school, Lutheran school, <coughs> and we learned this as a presentation. I still remember sitting in the front or second row of the church, getting ready to stand up in front of the church as a class to sing it. And it made an impact on me. It was originally written, and I didn't know this then, but it was originally a song written in Latin, the language Latin, um, <clears throat> back in the 12th century. Uh, and later it was translated into English in the 1800s. But here are the words speaking of Christmas. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. And just so you understand, Israel, of course, refers to the nation of Israel, but More importantly, it refers to the people of God that are in relationship with Him through covenant. And so, if you're a believer in Christ, we are, we are part of that covenant. We are sons of Abraham by faith. We are part of spiritual Israel. So it's about, the song is about you and I. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice! Rejoice! Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory o'er the grave. Rejoice! Rejoice! Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou dayspring, Come and cheer our spirits by Thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice! Rejoice! Emmanuel shall come to Thee, O Israel. O come, Thou key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high and close the path of misery. Rejoice! Rejoice! Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, O come, thou Lord of might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times didst give the law in cloud and majesty and awe. Rejoice! Rejoice! Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Song was written 900 years ago. And so the church in all the lands and many different languages has been singing that song 
for nearly a thousand years. And all those who have relationship with God through faith for thousands and thousands of years have put their hope in this promise, in the promise that this hymn uh, expresses. There's a New Testament verse that uh, talks about Emmanuel. And so I'd like to read Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It's a brief telling of the Christmas story that that, that song was, was singing about, that Emmanuel was coming. Matthew 18, chapter 1, verse 18. I'm sorry, Matthew 1, verse 18 in the New King James. It says this. It says, Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph... Before they came together, (laughs) she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about those things, behold, an angel appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord to the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Familiar story. We've all heard it. Watch now as this video presents the story of Jesus in a bit more contemporary way. There you go, the gospel for the Facebook generation. You know, Jesus really did come. We believe that. This is core to our faith. We believe in the historical fact that Jesus came, that God, uh, you know, Emmanuel means God with us. Uh, Jesus came, and we believe that Jesus will return. Alright, we believe Jesus actually came, really came, and Jesus really will return. This is our hope, and this is our confession. And that's what the word Emmanuel means. It means God with us. And so, God, who is eternal, took up on Himself, became human, took on human form, and came down and dwelt among us. Uh, uh, for the very purpose, there was a reason. It was prophesied of old in this, this scripture that uh, Emmanuel will come, and, and Emmanuel means God with us. But he came for a purpose. He came to accomplish something. And another prophecy in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, also in Isaiah, uh, chapter forty-four, verse twenty-one, reads this. This is um, this is God speaking through the prophet, okay, to his people. It says, "Remember these, O Jacob." And Israel, for you are my servant. I have formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. You will not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. Return for me, for I have redeemed you, 
Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, you lower parts of the earth. Break forth in the singing, you mountains, O forests, and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and glorified Himself in Israel. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and He who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by Myself. So this Scripture is talking about what Emmanuel will accomplish, the redemption. In another translation, it's put this way. This is in the New Living Translation. It says, Pay attention, O Jacob, for you are My servant, O Israel. I, the Lord, made you, and I will not forget you. I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Is that good news? Yeah, that qualifies to us if we're God's servant. And he goes on and says, Oh, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. Ah, sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done this wondrous thing. Shout for joy, O depths of the earth. Break into song, O mountains and forests and every tree. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and is glorified in Israel. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer and Creator. That's what He calls Himself. I'm your Redeemer and your Creator. I am the Lord who made all things. I alone stretched out the heavens. Who was with Me when I made the earth? So the idea here is that the promise was that Emmanuel would come, God would come, and when He comes, He would redeem. He would be the Redeemer. Uh, and, and so we want to look a little bit about, as, look at Jesus as our Redeemer. And what does, what does it mean to be our Redeemer? And the word itself means, uh, uh, to redeem. That was pretty deep. <laughs> According to the Oriental Law of Kinship, <clears throat> that is, to be next of kin. And what's referring here is, is uh, in the ancient cultures, uh, the next of kin had the right to redeem or to buy back out of slavery or, or bondage a relative. Just by, by being a relative of someone who was enslaved or had come, you know, maybe they had, uh, they had borrowed and could not pay back, and so they're now under, uh, a, a, as a slave or a servant of someone, or captured. They could come just on the fact that they are a kinsman, they are related, and negotiate a release for someone. <clears throat> and so, it's, it, in the word itself, it means I'm coming as a kinsman redeemer. I'm coming as a relative to set you free, uh, to buy back. It also is, re- is used in, in, the re- in, con- in, um, in reference to when if, uh, if someone was married and had no children and died and, and the wife was still alive, a, a, another male relative could marry that woman and ha- they could have children. And so that lineage would continue uh, and the inheritance would be kept in that family. And so it actually includes in it the idea not only of kinship, but of marriage, which is the closest of all uh, family relationships. All right? So we're, we're, we're brought into family. Redemption, Him being our Redeemer, means that He brings us into His family, but not just like, you know, a distant uncle 
that you see once a year, right? Or a grandfather that you never met lives on the other side of the country. All right, that's, that's a relative. It's more than that. He brings us into his family, into the intimate, he, the desire and the purpose of redemption is to bring us into an intimacy of relationship that is best portrayed in the relationship of marriage. That's what Paul talks about in Ephesians. You gotta read it. Alright. To buy, it also includes the idea of redeem, that he's our redeemer. To buy back a relative's property. All right. So not only does it does it speak of redeeming the individual, but it it, it also applies to redeeming everything that that individual owned. All right. Redemption includes a restoration of all that we were meant to be and to have. All right. So this idea that G, that God came, Emmanuel comes to be with us and to be our redeemer means that he brings us into relationship, brings us into an intimate relationship, and his intention is to redeem, to bring back, to restore everything, everything that we were meant to be and everything that we were meant to have. It also means to avenge or revenge, all right? <clears throat> to redeem from slavery. Talks about uh, uh, redemption in the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, it says, Blessed is from the New King James, one, uh, Ephesians 1, 3 through 7. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. How many want every spiritual blessing? How many, how many believe the Bible is true? Put up your hands if you believe the Bible is true. Okay. Okay. Let me just, is it up there? <clears throat> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bless us. Is that what it says? No. Who, who has blessed us. That means He's already blessed. So put up your hands. <clears throat> Every spiritual blessing. You know, someone can buy a gift and wrap it up and UPS it to you. But if you don't open up the box, if you don't accept it, you don't get the gift. Is that true? So let's receive. Lord, thank you. For every spiritual blessing. And we receive it by faith. Whatever we need in the spiritual realm, you've already given it to us. So everybody say thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. That's what Jesus accomplished. He goes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. We obtain it in Christ. Everything. Everything just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. <laughs> I want to talk about this for a minute. <clears throat> Let me read the rest of the chapter, and we're going to come back and pull out three uh, phrases from this verse. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, it made Him happy. <laughs> to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Three things I want to pull out from this. It's all wrapped up in this idea of redemption that we have obtained through relationship uh, of faith with Jesus Christ. One is that it says we should be holy without blame before Him. What? Is it up there? 
in love, that we should be holy without blame before Him in love. And this always is, is just, it's one of those things when you're reading through the Bible and something just, yeah. like there's a few words that, you know, some people say it jumped out. I, it kind of snags my attention. We're to be in love. Some of us have experienced being in love. We've all seen television shows or movies about being in love. How do you act when you're in love? What do you do? What's it like? Anybody awake? It's euphoric! Ah! So our relationship with Jesus, we're to be in love. What else? Intimate. If you're in love, think back. Come on, guys. Ladies, Tori and Peter, what's it like being in love? Thumbs up. Awesome. It's the relation. When you're in love, that relationship, you know, just trumps every other relationship. It's like, it doesn't matter how many friends. It's like, I remember, I had a roommate in college. I hung out all the time until Kathy came along. It's like, I only saw John occasionally, you know. Because <laughs> if I had a choice, I wanted to be with her. Right? Does that apply to Jesus? Yes. If we have a choice. I want to be with Jesus. You know, we think about him all the time. When you're in love, you think about that person all the time. Wow. We're supposed to, this is a definition of what our relationship with Jesus should be like. We're to be in love. You know why? Because he's in love with you. He's in love with you. He's in love. So we're in love. What's it like? I got to tell you this. <clears throat> it's not part of my notes, but I was in a, in a restaurant just earlier this week. Well, last week, <clears throat> with another pastor, and we were talking, and happened to be a restaurant that's, that uh, was a great restaurant. <clears throat> and uh, the guy had is a restaurant that serves Middle Eastern food. <clears throat> and it just turns out that our, our waiter happened to be a, a zealous uh, uh, Muslim. And uh, in our conversation, he realized that I had traveled to the Middle East, so we started talking about that. And then for some reason, he starts preaching to me and this pastor friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was like, dude, you, you should be careful. <laughs> you know, we both looked at each other like smiled, right? Come bring it on. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, the guy was really agitated and, and it didn't make much sense. But <clears throat> when we tried to talk with him and, and communicate, but you just jump around. And, uh, but one of the things he said, he said, you know what Islam means? <clears throat> and both, uh, my friend and I, you know, we know what the word Islam means. It means submission. Right? That's what Islam means, submission. And uh and he's he's like, Yeah, and he was going on about how that's true, you know, and like yeah, you know, no matter what, God everybody will have to submit to to God and so it's that's where you know it's, I'm like, well I said I the, the God I serve, you know, requires love. You know, it's like submission doesn't come before love. And if you have love, you can have submission. You know, and if you have submission without love, what is it? It's slavery. The God I serve is love. Well, he couldn't quite deal with that. <clears throat> well, that's a good contrast. You know, the God I serve is love. We come in love. He requires love. Second thing I want to pull out is that we're predestined to adoption as sons. And so this is the idea of kinsman, uh, 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 kinsman redeemer. That because we're brought into relationship on a, on a family level, we're brought a, into adoption, He can come and set us free. 
He can come and pay the price. Whatever that price is, He's paid it because we're now part of His family. And so we're adopted as sons or daughters. We're brought into a covenantal relationship that will last an eternity. We're related to Him. And in that relationship, it gives Him the right to come into our lives wherever there's bondage and He can negotiate freedom because He's already paid the price. We have been given, it says, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Alright? We have obtained forgiveness. Everybody say forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forget all of our sins. All of our sins have been washed away. Just like it said in in the Scripture earlier that I quoted from. It says, says, I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. It's like every wake up in an early morning, it's all misty, and then the sun comes up and a breeze comes, and all of a sudden you can see clearly. You know, and that's what happened uh, in Christ when we come into that relationship. We're brought into adoption. We're set free. And the fact is, is that as I said in the last number of weeks talking about the seven deadly sins, is that he who commits sin is a slave of sin. And the problem with being a slave is that you can't set yourself free, right? It's not just changing your behavior that will lead to freedom. Because when you sin, you're a slave of sin. You need someone from the outside to come in and rescue you. And that's what redemption is all about. That He did it. He's already done it. He's already paid the price All we have to do is believe Him. And that freedom then manifests itself or displays itself in no longer doing acts of sinfulness. Alright? And so, because He has already paid that price, He has already adopted us when we've accepted Him as Lord, we're free from every sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you. No sin has power over you if you're in uh, if you're in a, a covenant relationship, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, it does not have power over you. If you still yield to it, it's because you're, you're believing a lie, alright? That you're really free. And, and that's why God declares, I'm your Redeemer. I've already done it. I've already paid the price to set you free. Whatever price that is, He's already done it. He's already avenged. He's already paid the ransom for all the wrongs done to you and all the wrongs you have done. He's paid the price. And so we can walk into that freedom. (laughs) It really is. I've had some people say, well, that's not fair. And in one sense, it isn't. Because Christ took the injustice upon Himself. It wasn't fair for Jesus to bear the punishment of our sin. That's the point. Because we couldn't bear it. He took the punishment because, we, because it's motivated out of love. Does that make sense? Alright? To me, that motivates me to live right and to live in relationship. He comes <clears throat> as a Redeemer to free those unable to free themselves you and I, caught up and entangled in the issues of pride, uh, exity or, or sloth, envy, anger, greed, lust, gluttony, all the things we've been talking about, and any other expression of sin, it's just part of that rebellion or self-obsession. 
He's already set us free. It's completely done by the Redeemer who comes and has paid the price for us. Um, He's taken us into the family. He's taken you. He's taken me into the family. And He's invited us not just to be part of the family, not just to be uncomfortable at some family reunion with a whole bunch of people you don't know. Come on. (laughs) Right? But this is a, this is a party where you're, you're the beloved. You're accepted. Alright? And the host of the party is actually your father and your groom. You know? That's the type of relationship. That's what Christmas is really all about. He's given us beyond that, you know, this idea of redemption being, uh, redeeming a person even to the even even the extent of of marrying someone that was barren so that they could bear child, children well how does that apply listen we're all able to to reproduce children of faith all right as we as we live the great commandment and fulfill the great commission as we communicate what Jesus has done to us we can birth others who were dead in sin to life in Christ Alright? So even that aspect of it, he says, come with me and, and let's fill the world with sons and daughters of faith. And so we can participate. That's, that's what redemption is. Alright? That's what it means to have a redeemer. That every aspect of our life, Jesus comes in and where it's broken, he fixes and he brings it to the completion. Alright? I think that's amazing. And I think it's appropriate that Christmas is the most celebrated holiday worldwide. All right, even even in places that they don't know Christ. When we're in Japan, I've been there during Christmas time. There's Christmas trees everywhere. There's all the Christmas decorations. They play in all the all the stores for whatever reason. They play American music. <clears throat> Very few people, hardly anyone, speaks English in Japan. Um, so well, we were at the dollar store. This is the last time, and they're singing. You know. Uh, away in the manger, oh, crib for a bed. Oh, on the PA system, in all the stores, the gospel is being preached. All right? Yeah, this is amazing. I'm like, I stopped. I was like, do you hear that song? There's, it's the guy, you know, there are all the songs, and some of the really good songs, it, just because it's Christmas music. And so they play it. And, <clears throat> you know, and some of them, no, they're all take, they all take some English. Uh, or in China, we've had people that have gone to China during Christmas time, and there's 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 the the symbols that portray the message is there, and, and it's just like it's appropriate that the greatest holiday worldwide is Christmas, and so what we're celebrating is redemption, is that the Redeemer has come, all right, Emmanuel is here. So the application of the sermon is celebrate, get excited, have fun. It's the best thing to celebrate. It means that we're, we're free from every sin and freed to have relationship with Him eternally. Amen. Aaron, have some announcements. Thank you.